www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 72. I'm Wen Wai Hu, the BRFCS editor. The January transfer window has just closed after a lot of activity down at Ewood, and with me in the virtual studio today is Chief Reporter Cammy to take us through the ins and the outs of this very busy window. Cammy, how are you doing? I'm all right, Wen. Uh, sun shining here in Blackburn today after a lot of rain, so, so yeah, and we won last yesterday. I know we're going to talk about that later on, so mm. life's good. Good, 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 good. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been pretty warm over here as well. I think it was up to about 19 degrees in Tokyo today, which is like late March, early April weather. So, right, it's been pretty spring light, but it's uh, back to the cold weather in a couple of days, I believe. But never All mind. Right. Good, and uh, yeah, 16 outs, five permanent, and just four ins. That's a big, big window, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. I- I knew before the window started that they were going to have a real clear out in, in this window um, and ideally sell players, but if not, get them out on loan. Um, but I never expected for us to send so many players out. But um, with 99% of them, I agree with, you know, they needed to go. Uh, obviously, I'm a big Ruben Rochina fan, so yeah. that's the only one that, um, I was... Uh, not surprised, but disappointed that we, we let him go. But other than that, um, it's been absolutely fantastic. You know, they, they've really done a fantastic job in moving out almost all the deadwood uh, and and you know reducing the wage bill down. So so it's been yeah. a fantastic window for us in terms of outgoing. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we look at the transfers out, um, we we've got uh, Tom Kearney and Rudy Gisted, uh, who were brought in uh, permanently at uh, the beginning of the window. And just in this uh, last few days, uh, we've added Brian Dabo uh, from Montpellier and Craig Conway uh, from Cardiff. So, first of all, uh, Brian Dabo, have you got any information at all about him? Have you seen him play? Uh, I've not seen him play, and I'd never heard of him, to be honest, until he was linked with Rovers uh, last week. Um, but I've got a very good colleague stroke friend at World Soccer Magazine uh, and he knows, he's based in France anyway, um, so he knows a lot about the French football. So I had a chat with him um, towards the back end of last week and he was saying he's a very, very, very highly rated uh, youngster. Um, he, he actually played in the first team for Montpellier last season, um, but just this year they've because they've bought a lot of players in and a lot of players in his position, he hasn't had the opportunities. But he's, you know, French under twenty one international. Uh, he told me that he's a good defensive midfielder, but he also gets forward. So he's a kind of box to box player. Uh, primarily, he's he's a defensive midfielder, but he does he doesn't just sit in front of a defence. He will get forward, and because of his size, and if you've seen him warming up uh, yesterday, you, you see he's a he's a big old chap. So I think he'll if he's bursting into the box late, then he's going to cause a team's problems. Um, I was I wasn't at the presser on Friday, but um, he was one of the players that was available to talk to to the media, and I've heard his piece um, on 
on Radio Lancashire where they did a five or six minute interview with him uh, and his English was pretty good but he just came across as a really, really, really nice bloke, um, quite funny and uh, quite relaxed as well and uh, I know Gary Boyers said yesterday that uh, he's one of these guys who he's only known him for a few days but he's got an infectious personality and he seems to have a smile on his face all the time so so I think it could be a, a good piece of business um, and it might be one where if he does relatively well for us and Montpellier don't intend on using him next year, it might be someone who we could possibly uh, get back on loan uh, for a season-long loan. So so uh, I'd be, it'd be interested to see him play. And if he's box-to-box, as my friend at World Soccer Magazine seems to think he is, then uh, we don't really have that kind of midfielder who can get up and down. So looking forward to, to seeing him play. Mm. It's interesting there that you, you say we may get him back on a, a season-long loan. Um, you're suggesting that we haven't lined something up for a permanent deal if uh, if he impresses? I don't think Montpellier will let him go on a permanent deal. I'm sure Rovers may have wanted to do something like that. But um, um, from, I mean, I, I don't know this for sure. It's just going off what uh, sort of my, my sort of friend has said. And he said that he's very highly related. So um, it seems it's just they want him to get a bit of first team football. Uh, which he wasn't getting at Montpellier, so so it'll be um, interesting to see. Mm, good. Now, um, if he comes in, uh, that would suggest uh, that uh, perhaps uh, Williamson's place is under threat. Um, I hesitate to say whether Jason Law's position will be under threat. Uh, where do you see him fitting in? Yeah, I think... Um, well, it depends. Um, Boy's got options now. Um, I know we're going to talk about uh, the the games later on, but uh, if he plays like he has done at Bonsley and um, uh, yesterday against Blackpool, where we started with a, a, a diamond formation. So we had 4-3-1-2 kind of formation with um, uh, low playing as the sitting midfielder and Kenny and Taylor playing either side of him and then Dunny playing uh, sort of off the strikers. Um, so if he plays a 4-3-1-2 formation, then uh, he can fit, actually. Um, he can put, play Law, Darbo and Evans, for example, and push Kenny up if, if Dunny's not fit, or he can play Evans, Darbo and um, uh, Kenny in the middle and Dunn sort of uh, playing off the strikers. So if he plays at a diamond formation, as he has done over the last two games, then uh, I can see why he's got so many central midfielders in the squad. Um, obviously, if he goes back to four four two, then um, then I think I would assume if Evans is fit, he's going to be first-choice midfielder regardless. And then that leaves uh, Darbo, Law, Williamson, Kearney, if he wants to play him in the middle, um, you know, fighting it out for one one spot. So it just depends on how um, uh, Boy is thinking of playing. Whether he's going to stick with this diamond formation or whether he's going to swap and change. Yeah, I mean, it, it's pretty good actually because the the one thing I did criticize uh, uh, Boyer about was he doesn't seem to have a plan B. Um, you know, 
yeah. prior to to the Bondley game. You know, Derby was crying out for we did well, and then um, you know Derby changed their formation, and then it was crying out for a plan B to counteract what they'd done. But he didn't seem to to have that. But the last two games, um, you know, we've had um, this diamond, and then we switched. Uh, later in the game to a four four two with with wingers coming on, so there seems to be a bit more flexibility in in what we're doing. So um, it'll be interesting to see how we we go uh, forward from from that. Yeah, that's good to hear. Corey Evans uh, is back in full training now, and uh, that that means that uh, about half the squad, I think, are now now in midfield, and uh, yeah. we, we've added. Uh, to, to that midfield with uh, the signing of Craig Conway, uh, undisclosed fee. Uh, he comes from Cardiff, so uh, he and uh, Rudy Gersted were promoted together with Cardiff last season. Um, now, Craig Conway, what, uh, uh, what, what's he like? He came on yesterday uh, for a, a brief spell um, for, off the bench. Uh, did he impress? Yeah, very, very impressive. He was only on for about... 12, 13 minutes, but um, he looked really good. He's very, very quick, which surprised me actually. I didn't know he was that quick, but uh, you know, he's he, he beats his man and whips uh, the ball in. And even in 13, 14 minutes that he was on, uh, he whipped some fantastic balls into the box. Roach just scored one. It was his corner that um, was got us a second goal, and there were a couple of other free kicks where he put them into real dangerous positions and. And it was either you know our poor finishing or good goalkeeping which denied us. So he looked very very useful uh, for so you know we've only seen him play for 13 minutes. But um, when news broke that he was coming to Rovers, um, I was just looking at um, Brighton message boards just to see. It's always a good indication. Yeah, looking at opposite, you know, where he's coming from the message boards, and he was on loan at Brighton, and yeah, fans seemed to be absolutely gutted that um, that. The club hadn't done more to keep him, at, you know, to to sign him up. So that was a good indication because most uh, Brighton fans were very, very, very disappointed that uh, that he wasn't staying with them till till the end of the season. And um, I was looking at a couple of Cardiff forums as well, and some of their fans were also saying, "Well, I'm not sure why we're selling him because he could still do a job for us in the Premier League." So. So that was very encouraging to read. Yeah, that's good. Now on the transfers outside, um, you're talking there about the the midfield options. Uh, the big transfer news of this uh, of this window has been uh, Scott Dan going to Crystal Palace. Um, Scott Dan was uh, on and off throughout the window. And uh, it would appear that we'd been trying to move him on since last summer uh, when we brought uh, uh, Kilgallen in and uh, also Songo, for that matter, as uh, further cover. We were talking about this in the previous podcast. Uh, you were saying how you really wanted him to stay. Um, now that he's gone, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I got some pelters after the last podcast uh, on on Twitter uh, saying that uh, I was talking out of my ass and Dan won't be going to anywhere. But it was pretty obvious from what I was hearing that um, Rovers were very willing 
to listen to any offers for for, for Dan and um, Crystal Palace's interest. Which Nick, it was Alan Nixon's story actually. That's right. Uh, he's the one who brought this story, and he's been bang on with this throughout the window. Um, and sort of, I, I chased that up with a few people at, at Rovers that I knew, and and they kind of confirmed that yeah, yeah if if some a decent offer came in for him, then they'd sell him and. At that time, it looked like Palace were wanting to get him in sooner rather than later. So from everything that I was hearing, it looked like it was going to be one of these uh, transfers that was going to happen um, right at the start of the window. But for whatever reason, there was some stuff going on at Palace with regards to budgets and how much they were willing to spend, etc. So nearly all their transfers were delayed and then... We all know Tony Pulis loves deadline day and it looked like they decided to do the business right at the end. And, um, you know, Dan was one of the first. I think he was there at 7am <laughs> to have his uh, uh, sort of talks. It dragged on for most of the day. But my information mm. is that uh, we've received 1.5 million upfront and we'll receive a further 1.5 million, million guaranteed uh, over a certain period of time. I don't know what that period of time is, but three million pounds guaranteed. Um, and, you know, talking about the six million that he cost, um, that six million was based on um, sort of, it would have cost a lot more than six million, actually, if all the performance triggers had been hit. So, you know, getting in the England squad, us retaining uh, a Premier League spot, us f- finishing in certain Premier League positions, etc. If we achieve that, then he would have cost a lot more than six million. But from what I'm told, as you know, over the last three years we haven't really performed. <laughs> we've gone, we've gone backwards rather than than forwards. So, from what I'm told, we've only actually paid Birmingham just over three million pounds uh, in total uh, for for Dan because none of the performance indicators that had been put into place into the deal uh, had been hit. So so we've actually only paid three, just over three million plus, obviously, the wages that uh, Dan's had while he's been uh, a Rovers player. So in terms of a deal, if you're getting three million back, that's kind of break-even in terms of the transfer fee that we've actually paid uh, to, to Birmingham. So, uh, you know, it's a pretty good deal in the end, Um Obviously, I'm a big fan of his, um, not because I think he's the world's best defender or anything, but um, I think he helps to keep uh, Grant Hanley on an even keel during games. Um, he talks him through so many games. I, I, I tend to watch him a lot, um, um, particularly Dan, and he's always talking to him, always you know, trying to push forward or having a chat with him. He helps him to, to keep the shape. But having said that, um, in the last week, um, Kilgallen has been very, very impressive. Um, so if we if we can keep him fit, then uh, I have no problems with Kilgallen playing in centre defence. Uh, he was immaculate yesterday, um, and he did really well against uh, Derby as well. Um, I wasn't at the Barnsley game, so I can't comment on that one. But he seems a very, very cool and calm customer, and uh, I've been quite impressed with his distribution. Uh, he doesn't whack it forward, but uh, he tends a couple of times he switched play uh, to to the to the wide. And he pushed forward as well, so been very impressed with him. Mm. So yeah, you know, it's it's. Um, I still would have liked to have kept Dan, but I can understand why 
the club have sold him, and you know, three million pounds um, is is not, you know, it's still on the lowest side for 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 Dan. But considering what we've actually paid uh, in terms of uh, transfer fee, and you know, we are a Championship club, um, I think we've done well uh, to get a deal, you know, which will eventually be worth circa three million pounds. Yeah, presumably that uh, includes uh, Palace staying up uh, this time around. I, I don't think so. I think it's that that was one of the things that I don't. From what I'm told, this three million pound that we're going to get is guaranteed. So mm. it's not based. It's not dependent on anything. It's a guaranteed deal. It's just that it's not being paid all up front. Um, I see. And I do. Yeah, I, I don't know whether it's over a year, eighteen months, two years. I, I that I don't know, but. Um, I think the three million is guaranteed, and then you never know if we've got some performance clauses in there as well, i.e., them staying up. So it, it could be more than three million, but I'm not sure on that, so I don't want to speculate. But from what I've been told by some uh, very good sources, that that actual deal is worth about three million pounds, and that's guaranteed to Rovers. Yeah, that's good news. Good news. I mean, good news in in as much as uh, you know, if he had to go. Uh, now, Scott Dan's gone. Uh, we've also said goodbye to Bruno Ribeiro. I think we mentioned this uh, uh, last uh, last podcast. Uh, uh, I think the main shock was uh, people realising he was still still here. Um, yeah. F- Fabio Nunes has uh, gone to uh, Latina. Uh, Edinho Junior has gone to that well-known club, Harrisburg City Islanders. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> Over, I think it's uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I think it's um, probably better known for the civil American Civil War than anything else, I guess. But uh, anyway, um, Fabio Nunes and Edinho have, have gone. Um, also, Raheem Henley has been released. He's been uh, snapped up by Swansea on, I think it was an eighteen-month or two. Was it eighteen-month deal or two and a half year deal? Eighteen months. Uh, eighteen months. Yeah. Yeah. And the uh, question there is, um, if he's good enough uh, to be taken up by Swansea in the Premier League, uh, what's what's he doing leaving uh, Rovers being let go? Uh, Raheem Ahali is a, a very, very good player. I have absolutely no doubts on his football ability. But I think his attitude is questionable, let's just say. Um, I've I've seen him a lot and... Uh, I don't think this is anything to do with football ability. I think uh, Boyer likes certain kind of characters around the squad. And obviously, from what I've seen on Twitter and a few other things that I've, I know about, I think he's, he's uh, kind of um, questionable uh, in terms of his attitude. So um, I think that's one of the reasons why he's been let go um, I don't think it's anything to do with his footballing ability. I think he's he can turn into a very good player, but um, I think it's more to do with um, his sort of attitude and um, the way Boyer sees things. So I hope he he does well at Swansea, and I hope he can sort his. You know, he's very lucky to be a footballer, and uh, there's been so many you know promising young players who haven't progressed in the game because their attitude hasn't allowed it, you know, it's because of attitude problems. So I really hope he doesn't go the same way as uh, some of the, the other players. 
Yeah, um, talking about attitude problems, um, uh, Leon Best uh, is still at the club, but uh, another of uh, a group that uh, I understand uh, Raheem Henley and uh, Leon Best were part of, another member was uh, DJ Campbell, I think, if that's right. They used to hang yeah, out together. And he's gone off to the, Millwall, yeah? Yeah, they affectionately meet all this group, and Songu was another one. They're all known as the fam because that's how they, they refer to each other on uh, social networking sites. Um, mm. So so the fam, as it's known as, um, uh, apart from the leader, uh, which is best, uh, all the others have uh, left the club in one way or the other. So again, that that should tell you everything in terms of um, the way that Boyer sees them. And, um, you know, it's, it's no surprise that... Um, um, uh, you know, these guys have left the club. Mm, yeah. Uh, um, in addition to DJ Campbell going to Millwall, and as you say, Ruben Rashin has uh, gone back to Spain, uh, Real Vallecano. David Goodwillie uh, couldn't play yesterday against us, uh, but he's he's at Blackpool. And um, Alan Judge uh, has uh, gone down to Brentford. He went early in the window. Uh, similarly, Alex Marrow uh, is off to Fleetwood, and Bradley Orr um, has uh, gone over to North America. He'll be there until the end of their season uh, in December. He's at uh, Toronto, uh, with Ryan Nelson doing the honours of taking him off her off her hands, which uh, we're very grateful for. Thank you. Um, Jordan Slew and Jan Songo have uh, both gone up to Scotland uh, to play for Ross County. I think uh, Jan Songo has got uh, a couple of goals uh, uh, this last couple of matches, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I think he scored again yesterday as well. Mm. So he's he's uh, turned into a goal-scoring centre off while he's been there. Mm. Um, um, hopefully, you know, it's, he, I saw him in pre-season. He looked pretty decent, actually. Um, mm. So. So for what you know, he, he looked all right, and I could see why um, uh, Boyer had signed him. So you, you know, you never know. Um, he might he might come back, you know, with a bit more confidence and and do well for us. Yeah, he's not one that I've totally written off. You know, I think it's um, if he can again if he does well at Ross County and comes back with a renewed vigor, you never know. He may he may sort of still play a part for us. Hmm. Uh, uh, another centre half, uh, Jack O'Connell, uh, promising youngster. Uh, he's uh, been re-signed on loan uh, at Rochdale, where he's getting pretty good reports. And also, uh, a, a couple of uh, young lads have gone to Southport, Daly and O'Sullivan, uh, get some experience under their belts. Um, what all of that means is that we've got uh, sixteen fewer players on the books uh, short term at least and um, we've got a plethora of midfielders but we're a little bit short up front and uh, centre half now we're presuming that uh, once the window opens for, for the loan market in uh, in a week's time we're presuming that Rovers have got uh, someone lined up to come in at uh, centre half to cover for uh, Kilgallen and, and Hanley. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Uh, particularly some rumours about Lucas Neal 
uh, being uh, at the club training and possibly being uh, offered a, a, a short-term deal ahead of the World Cup. Yeah, um, I, I haven't heard of anything about Lucas Nia. I know he's been training at the club, um, but um, I'd still be surprised if we um, uh, offer him a, a, any kind of deal. But but I, I won't totally rule it out because I've not heard... I've, to be honest, I've not heard anything about him being offered any deal at the club, but I do know he's been training while he finds himself a club and he's quite keen uh, to find somewhere because he wants to, to go to the World Cup with Australia. Um, so so we'll see. But um, Boy has said yesterday that he's looking to bring in uh, uh, two two players. Um, he realises we're short uh, in the centre-back department. So that's one thing he's looking at. And really, we've only got um, Rhodes and Gastede as um, frontline recognised strikers. Um, King can play there, um, but he's not an out-and-out striker and he seems to be very injury-prone. He came on yesterday and, again, got injured in the, the 13, 14 minutes that he was on. He didn't look like a serious injury, but we had to take him out. So I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what he's going to be doing. He'll be bringing in um, a, a cover defender um, on loan and... Um, a, a cover striker on loan. Uh, people have said Craig Dawson from West Brom, but um, my understanding is that Wigan uh, uh, and Bolton are way ahead of us in terms of trying to get him. Um, you know, you never know. You know, if, if he if he talks to Boyer, then he may be able to convince him. But Wigan are very keen on him, and he was obviously at uh, Bolton last season. But um, you know, I think we will get uh, a cover defender and a cover striker in. Yeah, there was a discussion uh, earlier in the week about Luke Varney coming in from Leeds and then uh, everything was thrown up in the air by uh, uh, new owners coming in at, uh, at Leeds and uh, a rather bizarre uh, end to the week with uh, Brian McDermott being fired and then not being fired because uh, apparently the LMA um, said... Uh, uh, the, the the new the new guy coming in uh, didn't have authority to uh, to fire him. So uh, yeah, it was. I mean, you, they they vying. They're trying to make Rovers look like a well-known club. I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> crazy what's happened with McDermott. And I don't know if you heard about Paul Hunt was there, and he was fired on Friday. He was reinstated yesterday morning, and then told to leave, in effect, before kickoff. So. <laughs> so so, so it's an absolute um, circus. Uh, obviously, we we know how a club can disintegrate into a circus from our own experience. But um, these guys are taking it to a new level, I think, mm. um, of of circus. Too. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Luke, Luke Varney. Um, is there any chance of uh, our interest in him being revived in the long window? It depends on, obviously the player was very, very keen um, to, to join us and Brian McDermott didn't play him in their midweek game because um, he was due to start, but uh, the player told McDermott that he wanted uh, to leave and he wanted to go to Rovers. But obviously subsequent events at Leeds um, have you know thrown that one in, in, into the melting pot. Um, obviously, uh, you know, he would be the number one, I think, if 
if we can do a deal for me. But it just depends on what happens at Leeds over the next few days. But, but the loan window reopens on Friday, so I can see uh, us. If if the Varney thing is settled down, then he may be the one that we bring in. But if it isn't, then um, obviously Boyer will have um, something else it, it lined up. You know, he's 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 very thorough, uh, and it was. A lot of people were panicking on Friday after Dan was sold. They were saying, well, why are we not signed um, someone uh, as a replacement centre-off? And, um, you know, Boyer's not stupid. He's uh, very well organised. He's known for pretty much all month that it's 99% certain Dan will go, particularly after a player told him that he'd, he'd like to go and play in the Premier League if any club came in for him. So, so that was also a factor. So he's known all season, uh, all sorry, all transfer window that this could happen, and he will have planned for a scenario where he went right at the end of the window in the last hour or so, or two hours. So, uh, you know, yeah, it was a bit of a risk yesterday, um, you know, not having a recognised centre off on the bench. But you know, Law could have done a job there. He reckons Spur can play there as well. So uh, it was a bit of a gamble, but um, I'm sure he will have targets lined up and um, you know the scouts have been very busy in the last two or three weeks so um, you know he will have a first second or third choice lined up uh, so hopefully he can get that one done next friday uh, when, when the window reopens yeah, so um the transfer window uh, we've had a total of five going out permanently and uh, 11 temporarily off the books um, all in all, it's been a, a pretty good uh, transfer window. Yeah, I mean, just to give a comparison, just the midfield, for example, uh, last year, around about, well, maybe not this time, but just a few months earlier, we we had Pedersen on one side and Mar- Marcus Olsen on the other side and Dixon Atuhu and Murphy in centre midfield. And uh, now we've potentially got um, Marshall and Conway wide, Evans and Kenny in the middle. So it shows the progress that Boy has made in, in two transfer windows. You know, he had the summer one and he's had this one and he's already starting to reshape the squad in what I reckon is in a positive way. Um, so he's, he's still a work in progress and I'm confident that if he's given time, a third transfer window this summer, uh, as long as the owners don't do anything stupid like um, sell the club or or put it into administration, which I don't think is going to happen in March anyway. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that later on. So if he's given a bit of time, then um, I honestly believe this guy is the person who can you know take us forward because you know he's in very difficult circumstances. He's he's doing a good job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the last thing we need right now is for uh, more disruption. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a pretty good uh, window for us, I think. Uh, now, you were saying there about administration and uh, and about the Venkis. Of course, they've shifted quite a number off off the books this window. Yet, there's uh, incoming transfers and very good quality coming in, and the possibility of more coming in next week through loan through the loan system. That suggests that the Venk is uh, not about to uh, shut up shop. And also on Friday, uh, we had the announcement uh, from the club that Mike Cheston, 
uh, was being brought in as financial director to replace Karen Silk. Uh, now, Mike Cheston, uh, he's uh, worked at Everton uh, as uh, the head of finance there uh, back in the, the 90s uh, and the early 2000s. He was there for uh, 15 years. Then he went on to work for the Football League Trust. Now, uh, he'll be taking up position March 17th, which we were speculating would be round about the time when uh, a decision may be made to go into administration or not. Um, now, uh, first of all, have you any uh, information about uh, Mike Cheston? And uh, secondly, do you think uh, um, you know this is uh, you know there's anything ominous about his appointment and the timing of it? Uh, I mean, first of all, um, Mike Cheston. I'd never heard of him again, but um, he was at Everton during the 90s, so I, I know quite a lot of Everton fans and a few people who were connected with the club. Um, so I had a chat with a couple of them, and, and they said it's a, a very, very good appointment. Uh, obviously, when he was at Everton, he, was, he didn't have a lot of money to spend um, did Everton. They were struggling financially, so he, he helped to manage that situation. So it, it's good in that regard. He knows how to uh, work with, with tight finances um, and it seems to be a very, very sensible appointment. Um, I think I said in the last podcast, or I just want to clarify, I, I, I was saying I didn't think there was a, a, any chance of us going into administration in March because everything that I've heard um, and everything I've heard since as well is that um, the owners are going to look at things in uh, at the uh, end of the season in May, um, they they'll make any decisions about what what they do next. So I don't. Um, I'd be. I mean, you can never say never with Venkis, but I'd be surprised if if uh, uh, well, I'd be very surprised if they put the club into administration uh, in March. And their actions, this transfer window, isn't that of of people who are about to jump ship because they've allowed Boyer to. To sign players on permanent deals, you know, Gestede, uh, Kearney, um, and uh, Conway have come in. So, so those are permanent deals. Uh, so that they've they've allowed um, uh, a manager to do that. If they were thinking of jumping ship or putting the club into some sort of administration, you'd think uh, they'd be like selling roads. They'd be selling um, uh, down and not allowing the manager to spend any of the money but it seems to be that whatever they, they're raising uh, they're allowing some of it to be spent on the team so it doesn't to me look like the actions of people who are about to, to jump ship so we'll have to see what happens in May uh, with regards to, to, to all of that um, so yeah I mean it, it's a it's a good appointment I, I've never heard of him but from what um, sort of people I know at Everton and some of the fans they were saying they didn't have much money at that time and, and he did a good job there. Obviously, he's been at the Football Trust as well. So, uh, again, he, he knows about football and finance. So, it, you know, it looks like, on the face of it, a, a very good appointment. And him being a local lad he will always help because um, he, he'll, he'll know the area, he'll know what the fans are about, he'll know what the club means uh, to people around here. So, it looks like a, a, a very sensible appointment. And he's met the owners and... Uh, he hasn't been put off by them, so, yeah. <laughs> so so it's 
we'll, we'll have to see. But um, on the face of it, it looks like a, a very sensible appointment. Yep. Well, I'll uh, look forward to him taking up position in uh, another six weeks or so. That's good. Now, um, you were mentioning there about uh, Gary Boyer being uh, very calm and uh, very organised. Uh, but yesterday, uh, for the Blackpool match, uh, he wasn't to be seen anywhere on the touchline. And uh, uh, you, you found out where, where he was and why he was there. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I tweeted you in the game uh, asking as well, uh, is Boyer at the game? And a few people were texting me to say, where the hell's Boyer? Um, and he was uh, he's uh, uh, normally on the touchline pretty much the whole game. And I looked down and saw Craig Short or, or um, McPhillips stood there. I thought, what was... Um, and I didn't take much notice of this, but whenever I looked down, he wasn't there. Um, and, and, well, it, it, it comes to light after the game... Uh, and I think a bit of the media asked him as well. It was because they've had some really bad decisions go against us over the last few games, and he's been ranting and raving uh, on the touchline. He decided to take himself out of that position and sit in the stand, um, pretty much what Sam Allardyce used to do for the first half of games, was to sit in the director's box, and, and that's where um, Boyer was. And uh, the only difference was like someone like Sam or McLaren uh, last week, he he came down for the second half, but Boyer stayed up there and uh, obviously won. So, <laughs> mm. so he might be doing it more often. Um, so th- those were the reasons why he 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 was on the on the touchline. Right. Yeah. Now you talking about uh, referee decisions? Um, I, um, I, I I watched uh, the uh, Nottingham Forest match and. Uh, Blimey, the 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 first penalty against Grant Hanley. Uh, I don't I don't think uh, your grandma would have gone down. She she'd been going for a for a pension on a on a Thursday morning to Blackburn Post Office. She got a little yeah. touch in the back like that. She wouldn't go down. That's, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that I mean, was soft. Some of, some of the um, I, I don't usually like to hide behind uh, poor refereeing decisions, but. Um, uh, the last three games, and we might as well use this opportunity to go through those three games. Yeah. Um, uh, Derby game, we we had a, you know, Todd Kane was very honest, he didn't go down, but regardless, uh, that was a st- at least one stone wall penalty that we had, and and we never got it. Um, and, you know, the previous game at Forest, um, you know, we, we were g- given... Absolutely, like you said, ridiculous penalty given against us, and you know at the time, it, it you know we were we were doing all right, and um, you know you, you don't know that decision might have had a massive effect, and and eventually they run out easy winners, but at the time the penalty was given, we were we were doing relatively well, so so that was a, a, a game changing decision. Derby, uh, it was a, a first half we I thought we were excellent, um, we controlled the game, we. Sort of push Derby around and um, a bit unlucky to go into half just at nil nil. Obviously, we took the lead one nil up, and again we looked in total control. Uh, and then uh, McLaren made some tactical changes. He changed his shape. Uh, he brought Will Hughes on, who was phenomenal when he when he came on. He was really really good for them, and uh, they really dominated the last half an hour of the game. It was the first time really I was very disappointed in Boyer. Uh, uh, that he didn't seem to have a plan B. He took. We were getting absolutely ripped to shreds 
down the right hand side because Kearney was playing there. He wasn't really giving any cover to um, to to uh, Henley and Dawkins from for them. He was on loan from Spurs. Was is a very very good player and uh, he was. They were overlapping fullbacks and Henley was really really give, being given often two on one situations and it took him sort of he made it it took too long for the decision to be made and Derby by that time were totally dominant they gained so much confidence they'd taken control of the game and uh, were really it was some good goalkeeping and some poor uh, finishing that had still 1-0 up they got the equaliser fantastic goal from Bamford uh, who's a Chelsea youngster and um, really they were the team that would would go on and and sort of looking like they would win the game. Um, we then then at one one that penalty incident came. Uh, Kane burst into the box. He would clearly you know tugged and he was just his honesty. If he'd gone down, he would have the referee would have given a penalty. But he carried on and had a shot. But that that was by the by. You know that was a clear foul. We should have been given a penalty. And in the end, that's cost us two vital points. And on that day, the referee was abysmal anyway, not just for us, but also Derby. He was absolutely getting some absolute simple decisions wrong and his lines or assistant linesmen were again very, very poor. So, so you know, in the end, a draw, considering how well Derby played for the last 30 minutes was, was a fair result. Uh, then on Tuesday, we were away at Barnsley and we saw a change in formation and um, Boyer went to this diamond formation with uh, uh, you know law sitting and uh, done at the top of the the diamond and uh, you know two sort of central midfielders Kenny on one side and um, you know just just playing a compact uh, uh, system. I wasn't at the game, but I, I listened to the radio commentary and uh, you know we at first off we absolutely dominated um, absolutely all over them and. Uh, they took the lead, but we came back strong. We were two one up. We could have easily been four or five one up, and uh, it was really positive uh, going in at half time. Uh, Kenny's equaliser was from about twenty five yards, fantastic shot, and then Rudy Gestede uh, sort of with a burst into box and uh, just sort of stroked it past the keeper on his near near side. So, so it was good going in at half time. Whatever happened at second time, we seemed to. A second half, sorry, we seemed to drop off from from what I was hearing on the radio commentary, and um, it, it was like we were trying to hold on to that lead and not really being positive. And again, that allowed Barnsley to not take control of the game, but sort of um, get a foothold and gain a bit of confidence. Uh, and then came the contentious uh, decision from from the referee. Um, you know, in the first half, we had if he's given that penalty, then. We had two much stronger shouts in the first half for, for penalties. Um, one of them was absolute stonewaller from what I've seen on, on the TV. Um, but he didn't give them. And this ridiculous penalty that, that he gave um, was, it, it was just, it was, you know, how he could think that was a penalty is just beyond me. And again, very, very poor refereeing. We were denied two penalties. They got one. They put it away. And, that was definitely two points dropped. Um, we can blame the referee, and rightly so, because he, he gave a very poor decision. But our second half, um, I think we have to take 
take some responsibility because we didn't really push forward and, and try and get that third goal, which would have killed Barnsley off. off. And then you, you allow the referee to make, um, you're giving the opportunity there that the referee to make a poor decision and, and it cost us two very, very vital points. And then yesterday, uh, it was Blackpool. Blackpool have been in, obviously they sacked uh, Paul Ince and they've been in free fall uh, in the last sort of 10 games. And to be honest, when that was about the the poorest side I've seen at Ewood in the last couple of seasons. Um, they were all over the place. Basically, they're defending when was the defensive tactic was when we got the ball for the, the defenders to run backwards into the box. That was it. They weren't pressing us and we were getting up to the edge of the area quite, quite easily because all the team was doing was was running backwards towards the goal. Massive gaps in the defence for through balls and um, you know we, we should have really run that 4 or 5, 6 nil. We weren't clinical. Uh, we were shooting when we should have been passing or passing when we were shooting um, and um, we kind of allowed us our level to drop to their very very poor level that said uh, Donny scored an absolute cracking goal he uh, took on a couple of players into the box and took his shot early that puts one nil up um, Blackpool threatened a little bit um, you know there were a few half chances but they were very very poor and um you know, Conway came on, really good debut. He looks like someone who's pretty quick and he's got absolutely fantastic delivery and he put in a, a, a very, very good corner uh, and sort of um, Hanley came in and headed it into the ground and it bounced into the over the keeper into the top corner. And, you know, five points from nine uh, in this week, it's... I said prior to the week starting that we needed to get seven if we wanted to stay in touch with the top six. So we're about two points down on on what I would have liked. Yeah, it's uh, those uh, two missed opportunities against Derby and Barnsley. Sixth place could easily be decided on goal difference, uh, just one or two goals. Uh, a point is massive, and to to lose four points. Um, in, in the space of a few days, when you're in front, uh, that's tough to take. And uh, you know, from from what I've read and, and seen, uh, you know, we we could have done with uh, some better decisions there. I think, uh, like you said, the the Barnsley penalty was, was ridiculous. If you're going to give those, you've got to give it every challenge in the area, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, uh, I can take um, you know the. Um, uh, Derby game because they were a very, very good side and the last 30 minutes, they deserved a point. So, yeah, it was a very, very poor refereeing decision not to give the penalty. But on the balance, we were pretty lucky to be just at one considering some of the chances that Derby created in that last 30 minutes. Um, but the Barnsley game, you know, that referee has absolutely robbed us of two points there. Um, if he'd given us the one definite stonewall penalty and one, if he's given that one, to Barnsley, then that was a stone wall as well. If in comparison to the one he's given to Barnsley, and then to further compound it to give such a very very poor decision, you know that's cost us two points. And mm. um, in in what's going to be a very very tight race for that sixth spot, um, I've said all along I don't, I don't think we're good enough to get there. But mm. you know those those 
to it could literally come down to goal difference or uh, you know a point or two. And you know if if that happens, then it's 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 gutting that your poor refereeing decision has, has cost us if it, if it comes down to that. Um, I know you looked at some stats um, where whereby you know, the the minimum points needed. Yes, yeah. we, we discussed this. Yeah. Uh, in quite depth the last podcast I'm not going to go over all the ground but I don't know I think maybe the less than 70 this year do you think because a lot of the top six are taking points or dropping points mm. and uh, you know it's not you know it's last year was an exceptional year in terms both at the top and the bottom you know teams needed a really high number of points just to stay up and the difference between six and where we finished wasn't it was, I think it was two wins, six points. So yeah. it was an exceptionally exceptional season last year. And I think this year, a lot of the top six, well, the top three or four have been pretty consistent, but the teams below that seem to drop stupid points all the time. So we may see a scenario where less than 70 might be on this year, purely because the teams up till now at the top half have been dropping silly points whole season so it'll be interesting to see but maybe it, it might be less than 70 this time mm. yeah who knows who knows but regardless we need to now go on an absolute amazing run to, to even be anywhere near that and with Middlesbrough away and Reading away the next two games that's um, uh, really two very difficult games so we'll see where we are after them two games yeah yeah yeah, Reading have uh, have started to put a run together now, and uh, if you know if they continue on on the run that they're they're on now, uh, they're going to catch up with uh, Forest, and uh, uh, then the question is whether Forest can keep going or not. But, um, yeah, Reading are doing what they did the year they went up. They were mm. poor in the first half, and then they were on this amazing run, and they were whacking teams three or four nil. You know. Uh, I remember that season, hmm. uh, uh, Adam Lafondra was just scoring goals for fun and they seem to be doing the same thing again. They, they're scoring a lot of goals yeah. in the last sort of four or five weeks. So they seem to be right on on a big role. So uh, they're the form side. Uh, Derby looked pretty good from what I saw. I know they drew three all at Birmingham yesterday, but they looked good against us and uh, they came back from a losing position at midweek. So but they look good. Forest have done some excellent business uh, over the the transfer window. I think they've been they've probably done the best business in in the championship. And again, they were lo- losing two 0 to Watford on Friday, and eventually came back and won. I think four two in the end. So so they're good. Burnley were very very impressive yesterday at QPR. Uh, at one point they were three two up. QPR got an equaliser, but Birmingham had a sorry Burnley had a, a chance to to nick it. I think we can say goodbye to Leicester. They've really stormed ahead. Yeah. Nine wins on the bounce now. So I think they're gone now. I think they've, unless they have a massive collapse, um, I think they, they, they'll be uh, in that top two. And then you've got Burnley, QPR and Forrest, I would say, fighting it out uh, for that second spot. And then I would say Burnley, Forrest are almost guaranteed playoff spots. Derby probably be there as well, and then one from a number of other teams. I think. Mm, yeah, yeah. Ipswich have uh, tailed off a little bit recently. Uh, Leeds, of course, are uh, self-imploding. 
Yeah, Ipswich won yesterday, one 0 again. So, so, but yeah, I mean, I don't think they've got the squad depth that some of the other teams have got. So, I wouldn't expect them to 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 stay there. But it's uh, the ones that we need to watch. Wigan are coming up really well. Uh, they they're doing excellent. Uh, uh, they were losing one nil to Charlton and got two goals in the last couple of minutes to turn that one around. Uwe Rossell is doing a good job there, so they they're another one of the teams who, you know. So it's going to be a massive battle. Uh, I don't think we're good enough to be top six. I don't think we're consistent enough. But uh, you know, if we could just hang in there, uh, I said this all along. If we can get it to last five or six games and we're maybe three or four points off there, then you never know. You can go on a little run and sneak in. You know, I think that's what we should be aiming for, to be three or four, four, even five points with six or seven games left and see if we can go on a little mini run and sneak in there. Yeah, good. Well, we've got uh, Borough coming up uh, next weekend away from home and that's followed by another uh, away trip to Reading the following uh, week. No, no, uh, sorry. It's uh, uh, Borough, Borough away next weekend. Then the weekend after, it was meant to be Brighton at home, um, but because they've progressed in the FA Cup. That one's reorganised for, the, I think, 25th of Feb, uh, a Tuesday, but that's subject to change uh, if uh, Brighton have a, a cup replay. But if they don't, then that one will uh, be on the 25th. And prior to that, we've got uh, Reading away. So it's Middlesbrough away, a weekend off, Reading away, and then potentially Brighton uh, in the midweek. And then that will conclude our sort of February fixtures. Yeah. Well, there's uh, yeah, nine, nine more points for this uh, month up for grabs, um, but uh, we could uh, could do well to get uh, five even out of that little lot. So we'll see how we are. I'm off to uh, Australia this week. Hopefully I'll, I'll be able to catch up with uh, one or two people. Um, hopefully I'll be able to catch up with uh, some people in Melbourne uh later in the week and uh, then uh, some some people uh, even further down under uh, while, while I'm uh, down in Tassie. Um, be good to meet up with people in uh, Sydney and uh, Bri- Bris, Brisbane as well on the way back. But, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, uh, to getting out of the cold here and uh, to the warmth of, uh, of Australia. Very jealous. Very, very jealous. Mm. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Right. Well, um, Cammy, have you have you anything more to add? No, I mean just mm. uh, obviously enjoy your trip to to Australia and yeah. uh, thank you. Um, you know, just like to thank a lot of people. Give us good comments about the the podcast. Um, so you know, it's, it makes it worthwhile for for those people who who sort of give us the feedback and say they really enjoy the podcast and uh, you know, they're glad that we do them. That's good to know. All right, well, thanks uh, ever so much, Cammy. I'll catch up with you while I'm over in Oz. Yes, enjoy your trip. And, yeah. uh, hopefully we can do another podcast soon. Good. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, all we have time for today. We looked at the, uh, uh, the transfer window and uh, one or two other issues. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with you uh, in, in the coming week or two. Wherever you are in the world, do take good care and uh, look forward to coming on the podcast very soon. Thank you ever so much for listening.